verses 16 through 18. Next Sunday will be the last sermon on this book, and this book is one of my favorites. Uh, actually, this last little section is one of my favorite parts of the book of Thessalonians. You, you always have to remember the context of, of the book that is written to us. Remember, the, the book of Thessalonians was written by Paul to this church that he started. He was only there about three weeks, maybe uh, three months. They don't know exactly for sure, but they know he was there at least for three weeks. He went there and he started a church where there was no church. And that's a pretty impressive thing. And so he was there and persecution drove him away. The thing you need to remember about the church of Thessalonica is that it was persecuted. It was persecuted in that sometimes it was physical. Many times they lost their jobs. Many times they lost their family. And so Paul started this church and then he went away for safety reasons and he wrote this letter back to this church. And basically, it's a, it's a book about how to have church. It's about how to be different than the world. And it's very practical. Now, two weeks ago, I started in verse 12. Let me just review it with you. Uh, verse 12 of chapter 5 begins with what I talked about as being the manual for church. Every Christian ought to know the manual for church. And in verse 12, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are leaders in the Lord's work. They work, work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. Now, what he is saying, and I've always hated that passage because basically what it's saying is, let Bill lead and let leaders lead. There's no way to get around it. It's always weird for me to stand up here and say, okay, you need to do what I tell you to do. It's awkward. But, but if I go and I, it doesn't matter if it's in English or if it's in Greek, basically it's the same. Leaders need to lead. And that's, you can't have everybody lead. And so he talked about that in verses 12 and 13. And then in the last part of verse 13, all the way through verse 15, he talks about what it's like to be a member of a church. It's basically the rules for church membership. How you're to treat one another. It's not me, it's us. And he says, he says, and live peacefully with each other. Now, you need to understand these are all commands. These are all commands in the Greek. He's saying this is a command. Live peacefully with each other. In other words, if you're not at peace, get at peace. It's a command. And then he says right after that, he says, uh, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Some of your translations have the word idle. It, it's a military term that means you need to fulfill the role that you were given. You need to finish. You need to serve. And what he's saying is to every Christian, find your purpose, find what you can do in your church and do it. Don't be caught not doing 
what you're supposed to do. You know, if you're in the military, you're very concerned about your superior, right? Catching you, loafing on the job. Same way in the church. Everyone should have a job, whether it's smiling. Do you know that's a job for some people? Smiling, saying good morning. But what we need to understand that we are to warn and say, hey, don't be idle. Don't be lazy. Find a job. Get involved. Help with the garage sale. Help with the vacation Bible school. Do something. Okay? And so he says, warn those who are lazy. And then he says, encourage those who are timid, faint-hearted, small So Encourage people to say, come on, you can do it. Because there were a lot of Christians who were scared because of the persecution to get involved in the church. <laughs> and they were scared. And Paul says, hey, come on, you can do it. Get involved. Be willing to suffer. And he says, encourage. I like those words. Encourage. Come alongside. Be a good teammate. Say, get involved. Encourage those who are too tender. And then he says this. Take care. Take tender care of those who are weak. He's talking about those people who are spiritually weak. Take care of them. Uh, my goal as a pastor is for every single individual to be able to live their fullest life for Jesus Christ at First Baptist Mount Ida and their home and community. God has not called you not to grow spiritually. God has called every one of us to grow. And Paul said, take tender care of those who are weak. There are some of, those of us as Christians, all of us have been there at one time. We're not what we should be. Paul says, encourage them to be what they should be, to be physically mature Christians. And then he says after that, see that no one pays back evil for evil. As believers, church manual, you hurt me, I do not hurt you back. I, I, I don't get revenge. I, it, it's just, he, what does he say? He says, See that no one pays back evil. Someone does you evil. Well, what does he say to next? Commands. You do good. Someone's ugly. You do good to them. You said, Bill, that's crazy. That's biblical. Church membership. Well, they said such a You love them. Hardest thing I've ever had to do is stand at, I don't stand at the back anymore, stand at the back of the church smile and tell someone I love them when I know they murdered me behind my back. <laughs> Been there, done that. Don't do that. That's not why I don't stand back there. I go over here. But, but hey, you know when someone's telling you a great sermon, they're lying. Right? So what do I do? Slap them? No. I love them. It's that easy. What do you think? No, it's not. I want to punch people sometimes. Or play pickleball with them. And it's way <laughs> Alright, so that all is commanded for us about how to be part of the church. Now these three verses are the keys to happiness. He switches from our relationship with each other and he goes to our relationship with the shepherd, Jesus Christ. Can help you, and if you haven't had a rough week, it will help you when you have a rough week 
understand something. Life is hard. This morning, I, I began early with a time of prayer with my good friend Charlie. He's a pastor in Lancaster, Texas. And his heart is broken right now. Back during COVID, he buried his wife. Sam and I went to the funeral. But he called me the second. And this is, he said, Bill, please have your church pray for me. And he said this, he texted to, to Pastor Bill in First Baptist Mount Ida, please pray for my granddaughter, Chelsea Raymond. She is in South Korea to teach English. She needs constant prayer. Pray for Pastor Charlie, that's him. Pray for me. I need a lot of prayer too. And listen to what he said. Some of you can relate to this. I lost another piece of me. Love you guys. Hope to see you soon, Charlie. He lost another piece. You see, his wife died. That's a piece of his heart. And now his granddaughter, who's lived with him since high school, all the way through college, has gone to South Korea. And when I talked with him this morning, he was broken. Broken. And he asked me, to have you pray for him, her and him. So I've done that and I've honored that. And he's a great guy. I hope you get to meet him soon. That's one example. Now, you need to understand, uh, I, I'm looking at, at uh, Facebook this morning. I do that just to check to see if there's any needs. And there's a friend of mine from my church in Dallas when I was pastor named James. And he had posted this last week. And then the follow-up, he says, I'm not sure who knows about my latest health situation, but I wanted to put an update and ask for prayer. I was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. This may, this has been within the last month, and my body is telling me that something is really wrong. Between taking off of approximately 15 old prescriptions and being added to eight new prescriptions, I have no stamina, appetite, or strength. I need your prayers. I should have started home therapy already, but the VA processing is super slow. And then this morning, he posted, this is what broke my heart. He said, I've had to learn, he said, I've had to learn that my pain and suffering that I'm going through right now is a part of God's plan for my life. What you don't know about James is his wife's got cancer as well. And he's struggling. He said, I'm choosing to say, I do not understand why this is part of God's plan, but He is good, and His plan is for my good and for His glory. I trust Him. This is how I am strong. That's this morning, right after the other one. So I'm getting depressed. Then I read another one. A girl that was in our church, her mom was my secretary. Her name is Amy Yancey Allred. She was married to Mark. They had a baby that she carried for nine months knowing that it would die shortly after it was born. Guess who got to do the funeral shortly after it was born? One of the hardest funerals ever done for that little baby that died hours after birth. Her husband died this last year, I believe it was. He was uh, 50, he's either 51 or 57 years of age. Right after he died, she discovered she had colon cancer too. She's going through 
treatments and has been through treatments. Her heart is broken after losing her her uh, husband. Her heart is broken after losing a child whose anniversary of death was last week. And now she's grieving about her own struggle with just being healthy. And I think I have problems. And then Mark, a Tisdale who comes and sits about where David is, Debbie and Mark come into our church. They're at Denby Point. Uh, his uh, brother-in-law, one of my best friends, this last week had to have a back surgery. And he's had surgery after surgery after surgery since he was in his 20s. He's had this immune deficient disease. Uh, Crabs is one of the initials for it. It's one of the most painful diseases you can have in life and still be alive. I remember him walking down the hall and it just hit him and he hit my wall. I watched him cry. I've been there with him. And his wife sends us this text yesterday that says Johnny has been so sick. They had to go back in and do his back and he developed an abscess. He had a sepsis, and we all know how serious sepsis is. This is a guy who suffered. He's had both shoulders fixed, his back fixed, his neck fixed. supposed to have both his knee fixed. He's buried his sister and his brother. His dad was abusive to him. Not a good relationship with his mom. I'm one of his best friends. He's my brother's pastor. And I think I've got problems. life is broken, life is difficult and yet in the midst of brokenness and persecution and hard times, God has good news He commands us to do three things and all three of them are hard always sometimes I want to erase the word always always be joyful other translations say rejoice always that is a command it's not a suggestion how do you do that when you're going through stuff like that? Seems absurd and impossible to obey. But folks, we live in a broken world. Our lives are broken. Everything around us is broken. The only thing that is not broken is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we need to understand that one of the things He commands us to do, even during difficult times, is to choose to be joyful. Now, I called it the keys to happiness, but there is a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is outward, joy is inward. I mean, happiness is that new car until you have to make car paints. <laughs> you know, that new smell gets old real quick. And, and Paul commands us, always be joyful. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, 2 and 3 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Joy is a choice. He goes on to say, Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When you begin to find joy in the midst of problems, you grow. 
You don't grow when everything's good and everything's perfect. You grow when God gives you joy through the hard times. And, and he says that in James, choose joy. And then in Habakkuk, a little Old Testament book, I love this verse. You might underline it in your Bible. If you can find it, Habakkuk 3, verses 16 and 17, or verse 17 and following, it says, Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, and there are no grapes on the vine, and even though the olive crop fails, the fields lie empty and barren, and even though the flocks die in the fields, and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the... Lord, that's a choice! I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer able to tread on the heights. Part of the Christian life, folks, is going into hard times and going, with Him I can't. I can't lose. If you have to have stuff to make you happy, then you're missing the right stuff. In, in, in Acts chapter 5, go to Acts 5, listen to, to the choice that was made. In Acts 5, verse 40 and 41, you have Paul. It says this. Now, now picture this. In verse 40, the others accepted his advice. They called in the, the apostles and had them whipped, flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. They got whipped. And then it says the apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Well, that's heavy stuff. And Philippians 4, 4 says rejoice. Again, I say rejoice in the Lord. Command it. It's a choice. It's a choice to put your confidence in Him. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 says the Holy Spirit produces joy in us. Fruit of the Spirit. So how do you do that? Let me get practical. How do I live day after day with friends and family that are having these experiences. I'll tell you how I do it. I can't sing, unfortunately. Well, I can't sing when I worship people. <laughs> but I, I don't sing where people can hear me, but I do sing. And I usually head for a walk, as you may see me. And a lot of times, because I have hearing aids on, you can't tell that I'm listening. But listen, I want you to, I, I want you to, to listen to something. This is, Julie told me not to, or I should sing it, but I want you to listen to this song. And I want you to think about the week that you have had, and I want you to think about what this song tells you to do. It's the most incredible song, and when I'm hurting, when I'm struggling, this is what I listen to. It's by uh, Matt Redman, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord. And if you look at the words and think about your week, it'll tell you how to handle it. And when I'm walking, a lot of times I'm giving fist pumps because this is this is where I pour my heart out. So listen to this.
incredibly practical. If you have a problem with that song, you have a problem with Scripture because it says, my heart will choose to say, blessed be the name of God. You give, you take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let me tell you what. You go walking, and you and, and you might see me sometimes put my hands up that I'm not. I don't care what you think, but a lot of times I'm giving all the pain that I've had. That's a beautiful Jewish way I give you. I choose to bless you in spite of what's going on. Rejoice of the Lord always. Man, it, it will change your attitude. When, when the dark closes in, blessed be the name of the Lord. And if you say, that song doesn't do it for me, find one that does. But it's always got to go back to God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Psalm 118 verse 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will what? Rejoice and be glad in it. It's a choice. You choose to rejoice or not, but we're commanded to. Second thing, never stop praying. Most of the time when I'm praying, it's a three-way conversation. It's me, God, and whoever I'm talking to. The word here for prayer is a very general word. It can be praise, it can be confession, it can be thanksgiving. It's a very general word. But, but what you need to know is this word that describes how we're supposed to do it, uh, the word uh, that is there is never stop praying. It doesn't mean constant prayer without a break. It is a word that the ancient Greeks used to use to de describe someone that had a hacking cough. So in other words, you know, you know what a hacking, a hacking cough is? <clears throat> and then you won't cough throughout the, then you do it again. And you get a pattern, but it's not all the time. It's just consistent. We were in uh, uh, Colorado last week, and I, I love Colorado because it, it, it kind of it, it's cleansing to me. And as we were in Colorado last week, Julie had the same thought I had when we were talking about this verse. You see Pikes Peak, and I mean it's just massive, and it's covered in snow. And there's a mountain range, and every time I saw that, and then I went to see Mount Elbert, which is the tallest mountain in Colorado. Every time I saw that mountain, I just wanted to praise God. Because the scripture says he's the God of the mountains. He's the El Shaddai. Julie said the same thing. You, you, you didn't, we didn't bow our head and pull over. You just you stood in awe of the God who made the mountain. You don't, I, I have my time of prayer where I sit down and I thank him and I praise him and I confess to him and I ask. But, but people, that is not what never stop praying is about. It's as you go through the day. It's as you talk to someone, as you see someone. As you, we, we were in Leadville, and we were in Leadville, uh, which is the top, one of the tallest places that people live in Colorado. And there was this one shop that was a mountain bike shop, which I like mountain bike, or I used to. But, and it just had the most awful things written about people who were against abortion. And it was... <laughs> and, and, and I thought, man, they probably wouldn't like me in there. But you know what? Rather than get angry and get mad, I prayed for them. 
That's why 
Ephesians 5.20 says, And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. According to him, Complained about the fleas. It says the barracks where Corey Timboon and her sister Betsy were kept in the Nazi concentration camp, Ravensbrück, were terribly overcrowded and flea infested. They had, they had been able to miraculously smuggle a Bible into the camp, and in the Bible they had read that in all things they were to give thanks, and that God can use anything for good. Betsy decided that this meant thanking God for the fleas. This was too much for Corey, who said she could do no such thing. Betsy insisted, so Corey gave in and prayed to God, thanking Him even for the fleas. Over the next several months, a wonderful but curious thing happened. They found that the guards never entered their barracks. This meant that the women were not assaulted. It also meant they were able to do the unthinkable, which was to hold open Bible studies and prayer meetings in the heart of a Nazi concentration camp. Through this, countless number of women came to faith in Christ. Only at the end did they discover why the guards left them alone and would not enter their barracks. It was because of the fleas. Fleas. You see, people, we've got to learn to thank God. Now, the interesting thing is everybody wants to know God's will for their life. I'd say sometimes you probably don't want to know His will for your life. But let me tell you what God's will is according to the Scriptures. He says in the last part of verse 16, For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What is he talking about? He's talking about those three things. God's will is to rejoice always. God's will is to thank Him. God's will is to pray continually. So when you live, live here today, and you want to live God's will? Rejoice always. Never stop praying. And give thanks for everything. Now, that's not exactly what you want to read in a book, is it? <laughs> but that's what Scripture teaches. Those three commands. Those three commands connect you to the Master. Listen, there are times when you're hurting and you just start singing, Blessed be the name of the Lord. You give and you take away, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you will have tears of joy take over your eyes and your heart. Why? Because you go from your problem to the solution. Many of you, your problems are too big. Your God's too small. You have a big God. And if you do, you'll find the keys to happiness. See, happiness is not having everything go your way. Happiness is knowing who to go to. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your scripture. Gosh, it's good. 
They, 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 these are just commands, three little commands that can totally change my life. If I would just rejoice more, if I would just pray continually, if I would just be thankful more, literally you change my heart, my attitude, and my life. And I know regardless of what comes my way, God is good. God's always good. He's good when it's bad. He's good when it's good. He's always good. And Lord, I thank you for your word. May we live it and believe it in Jesus' name.